The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. Welcome to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. Eddie Pascal, I'm JT, and we're going to have Lincoln Kennedy joining us in a little bit. As you know, the Raiders have been eliminated from playoff contention, but there's still a big game coming up against the Denver Broncos that we'll preview as we look back at the loss in Indy. And Eddie, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well, sir. It's good to be back. Obviously, wish we were celebrating uh, the Raiders still being alive, but nonetheless, like you said, a lot to play for this Sunday, 125 at Allegiant. Yeah, I think there is a lot to play for because the Raiders have an opportunity to sweep the Broncos again. Very important. And the Raiders want to end the season on a high note because there's been a lot of big events surrounding this team. Over the last couple of months, the question will be, will the Raiders play at a high level to close out Allegiant Stadium Knowing this interim head coach the way I do, I think they will. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you look at, at this head coach, and one thing that has been uh, abundantly clear is regardless of the situation, regardless of who's healthy, who's not healthy, the guys on that field are going to give max effort 110% at all times. So certainly an opportunity uh, in front of the Silver and Black this Sunday to finish this year on a high note, uh, and we'll have to see what they do. Let's take a look at some of the highlights from the game in Indianapolis where Raider Nation showed up. They, they sure were did. there. They did. And from everybody I talked to, the insiders who were there, it's felt like a great Raider showing early in the game. This play by Gardner Minshew shows everything. He was able to step up just a little bit in the pocket, get outside the pocket, and he made some big plays Yeah, yesterday. I mean, going into this week, JT, talking to our friends from Indianapolis, they said the one thing you got to keep an eye on in this Colts office is Minshew being off script in the explosive plays, and unfortunately that's exactly what happened on Sunday. There were a few of them, a few of yeah. them that really changed the game here. And on that opening drive... They really easily went down the field, and they got that guy, Jonathan Taylor, going. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Jonathan Taylor now healthy, back doing his thing. And, and you see kind of the glimpses of what this Colts offense wanted to be uh, in 2023. Certainly, they got this, they're still alive in the playoff hunt. But, uh, yeah, an explosive offense when they had the opportunity to do so. Yeah, that throw from Aiden O'Connell that he just hit Devontae with, and Devontae was targeted pretty heavily. Yeah. And it was one of the best thrown balls he's made all year. I yeah. mean, look at that. Into coverage, perfect throw by Aiden O'Connell. It was a homecoming for him as he played at Purdue, but he was under duress all night here, and this was a huge first down for the Raiders, down 7 nothing to get him into the red zone on a third and six. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny. You look back at this game, and it felt like the, you talked about the Colts go down on that first drive. Very yeah. uncharacteristic of this Raiders defense, JT, and it just felt like they kind of reached that point of the year where they were just worn down a little bit. Yeah, they were a little bit tired there. On defense, there's Mad Max Crosby again. He gets a pizza. It starts off that sack. Classic Max again, lining up on one end, then coming up the middle in a stunt and just flying around and playing great. And Max, again, has another big game to play for here. But, Eddie, I think the theme of this podcast is going to be the fact that the Raiders were chasing the entire game. Uh, Devontae looking for a flag here on first and ten. I like the fact that they took a deep shot, and I think there was contact here, and Devontae wasn't getting the calls in this game. No, certainly. I mean, you look at the, the kind of constant theme throughout the game of Devontae looking around saying, hey, are we not going to call anything? No, and unfortunately, with Silver and Black, uh, nine times out of ten, nothing was called uh, in Devontae Adams' favor. Yeah, I was disappointed at this point in the game. The seven minutes to go, 
until the half, and the Raiders only have three points. So I felt that this was going to be a game that you had to embrace the shootout. This was the one blown coverage That's of it. the game. This was the biggest play of the game as Indianapolis went up 14-3. Yeah, you know, and we, we've talked about it so much over the past, what, 10, 11, 12 weeks, JT, about how well this defense yeah. is playing. But at some point in the modern NFL, you're going to get got, yep. right? And unfortunately, uh, you know, for the, the Raiders this weekend, that was the moment, and the offense just couldn't do enough to kind of come over that, overcome that adversity. Well, look at the Max trying to fire up the troops here. And Max was saying, he's pointing at himself, yeah. this is on us. Because the defense has been carrying the team for a lot of the second half here. Uh, Zeus coming downhill, which is good here. And at this point, you want to get some points here as the Raiders are up against it. They know they're going to get the ball to start off the third quarter here. And again, another big pass for Aiden O'Connell across the middle of the field. First and 10 here, under two minutes to go, and Aiden takes a sack that you really couldn't take at that time considering field goal range was right there. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the one thing you can't do in that situation, yeah. right? You can't take the sack. But it is interesting, JT. You know, we're sitting here down 14-3, to uh, and how crazy does it feel that like at points you're like, that feels like a big, insurmountable lead for this offense, right? And unfortunately, that was the case uh, this evening, or excuse me, this weekend in, uh, at Lucas Oil. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with the punting there. I think that Antonio Pierce has shown if if the team is in the game, he's not going to do anything yeah. radical. If you don't punt there and go for it around midfield and they score again, the game could be out of reach. And this was the roughing the punter to AJ here on fourth and seven. So if you look at that as we're starting off the second half, this is exactly, I thought, the break the Raiders yeah. needed to get back into the game. 100%. And we talk about some of the decision-making there on fourth down. Well, it also helps when you have an all-pro punter who's playing out of yes. his mind at a historical clip in A.J. Cole. But, you know, certainly uh, the Raiders, it, it really was a battle of field position in so many ways this weekend in Indy. Yeah, they're trying to just get everything going short. Now we knew that the Raiders had an opportunity to score here on third and three. Uh, the handoff up the middle. This was a big, big play to set up what would be an important point of this game where the Raiders would have an opportunity. Devontae was going to be the target here, and on this inside move, hey, they gave him the targets he deserves, and he took advantage of that one. Yeah, 21 targets for Devontae wow. against the Colts. Yeah, and your next closest guy is Jacoby Myers with 10. So they fed Devontae in a pretty big way, and he delivered, but for the most part, you go 126 and two touchdowns for number 17. Well, the Raiders make it a one-score game here, and they're in the position now with the momentum. And I want to make that clear because we said that on radio afterwards. They had momentum and the opportunity to take the lead in this game. But, Eddie, the theme was that, that Indy picked up big third-down third conversions down. as the Raiders couldn't pick up a lot of short ones on third and short and fourth and short. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk to Lincoln about it a little bit, but really a, a game of third down like so many of these games are, JT. The Raiders have a hard time converting, especially in those third and shorts, and it felt like all the explosive plays for the Colts this weekend were on third Max down. Max just missed Minshew yeah. here, and then Epps almost, I thought, could have had a pick, and the coverage was behind. This was a big play at this point, and now the Colts, Colts were starting to take control of the game as oh. they were running the football. If that one bounces out and goes to the Raiders, that could be a difference maker also in this game as it comes out clean. And you just got to hope at that point the ball bounces up and hits you in the chest and you get yeah. the ball. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, you look at Max and we look about the effort and my, my goodness. I mean, how, how, how difficult of a play is that for number 98? But he does it so regularly. We've become so accustomed to seeing it. Well, first and goal here with the flag. And this was really important that they didn't score a touchdown. They, at this point, you wanted to keep mm -hmm. this still to a one-score game. So Indy makes the field goal to make it 17-10. But, Eddie, as we look at the clock, and I'm always looking at the clock in a Raider game, it always seems like the clock is going to haunt the Raiders late in the game, and what can they do? Uh, this hurt here, but a flag on the play. This could have been ball game early. I think this would have iced it yeah. for Indianapolis, but clearly there, a hold, an yeah, all-over hooper here. So fair call, Raiders I, I did it have back. to kind of 
chuckle on the broadcast. They were showing all the fans freaking out. I was like, guys, come on. This is the yeah. definition of you cannot do that. But, uh, yeah, certainly uh, Aiden O'Connell gets away with one a little bit there. Yeah, there was a point in the game where they had 12 consecutive rushes, and yeah. that bothered me too because yeah. the Raiders knew they were going to run the ball. They had the lead. They played a very good game. Indy of ball control and isolating the clock and picking up critical third downs here. And then they were just running it at the Raiders, and the Raiders knew it the whole time. But the Raiders hold for that field goal here. And if you take a look at the score here, you're saying to yourself, look, it's a two-score game again. How much time is left? There was plenty of time. The Raiders had time to get back all the timeouts and the two-minute warning. Yeah, I mean, we talk about, too, JT, the fact that the Colts were able to run the ball so effectively, 134 yards on the ground. But I talked about it earlier where it felt like this Raiders defense, we finally reached that point of the year where they were just worn down. You look at 12 consecutive runs, and that's exactly it. Yeah, and uh, Jack Jones was not offsides. I want to make that point very clear on the All-22 that I haven't stopped looking at here. So the Raiders go on a drive here, and I thought it was imperative to play a little bit faster Mm -hmm. at this point because it was a two-score game, but I thought the execution of the offense was well done. Yeah, you know, I agree with you, too. I think there were moments where you're like, all right, Aiden, let's go. Let's go. Time to go, young fella. But, uh, yeah, to your point, I mean, this looked good. I mean, that's that's what you want to see, right? That's what we've asked for all 2023. Uh, Aiden and and Devontae both delivering there. And Aiden here at this point, we're under five minutes to go the back shoulder to Devontae. That's good defense, yeah. It was good defense on this play. I thought there was a little bit of a hold right there as the ball was in the air, Mm -hmm. but the coverage was really sticky there. Look, there's two players over there on Devontae the entire game. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you're the Colts defense, you say, hey, there's one guy that's beating us. Let's take him away. Now, this is the issue. you got to take the points here and try to make it a game where you can get the onside kick there. I wish there would have been a little bit more attacking into the end zone. Critical third and eight here. Raiders looking to get the ball back. And what is with this flag? This ball is thrown out of bounds completely. I don't care if you're Jerry Rice, Randy Moss. You're not going to get feet down. Uh, let alone two. The second foot was almost past the white side onto the bench area. So I I could not believe that the refs didn't eat that flag. And then what happens next, this is what's going on. I jumped ahead a little bit, but Jack Jones, if you look at him here, he was not offsides. Clearly, he got off on the perfect snap count. Turned the corner here. I thought he was going to get it initially. I thought he got a finger on it. That's why I thought it was going to be deflected. And as we look at it, uh, they get the point here. They get the three here, which pretty much ices the game for them, even though the Raiders had some time left. Yeah, I mean, just just deflating, right? I mean, I think that's the only word for it is just deflating. You feel like the Raiders' defense had held up again. Stop me if you've heard that before. The Raiders' defense did what they needed to do. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, kind of a decision call by the referees there. And, uh, yeah, we, we kind of see how that if story If you're a ends. ref and you're going to call that, you've got to make sure that you're positive yeah. on that play, and it's egregious. The out to Devontae, again, we're under two minutes to go in this game. It's second and goal, and look, this pass was solid. You know, Devontae's playing well. You want to get in. It's that point where you got to run another play, and then what a catch by Devontae. Oh, oh my God. Uh, that's why he's the best at what he does. But, yeah. you know, this is the point, JT, where we talked about having that sense of urgency. I think all of us were sitting there a little bit like, okay, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go, and ultimately the Raiders did get in. But I would have loved to see a little more sense of, all right, we have to go now yeah. at this point in the game, certainly when the in the, the final set. Well, if you look at all the highlights of Devontae this entire year, for those who are watching this, is that that was one of the best catches in the NFL. Oh, yeah. The way he held on to the ball, catch, held the ball, yeah. and then look at this. And they Not had a, a bad. 
shot. Not they a had bad. A shot at it, it got loose. This onside kick got loose, Eddie. And I thought if they fall on it here, they're going to have an opportunity, no doubt, to get Carlson in field goal. Yeah, I think what's so funny too about this game, JT, is you look at it. And obviously, the Raiders never led in this game, but you never felt like they were out of it, right? Yeah. Even down ten points, even with some of the kind of funky things that happened, certainly on that field goal, you never felt like the Raiders were out of it. And to the bitter end, Antonio Pierce's team was fighting. The effort was there, and they just came up just a little bit short uh, in Indianapolis. Eddie, I always say this: if you t- if you show me the stats before the game, and you can show me this, I think the Raiders win the game. The penalties were critical. Seven penalties in this game. And that big hurt. moments too, JT. Big moments. Third down, still a problem. Five of fifteen here. They didn't rush it for 100 yards, but for 286 in passing yards and Devontae to have that many receptions and yards there, you tell me that before the game and time of possession. Time of possession, I think the Raiders win this game, but they come up short by only three. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at these stats and certainly there's certain things that you like about it, but the big one for me is only 84 rushing yards, right? And I know you're without Josh Jacobs, and I know Zamir White has had a really nice couple weeks here in silver and black, but all the same, when this team has been successful in 2023, they control the line of scrimmage. They run the ball. They want to be a run first team and credit to the Colts because they didn't let him do it. Colts played a little bit better. I'm not sitting here today on Raiders Roundtable saying woulda, coulda, shoulda. Colts played a good game. As I told fans all week long on Raider Nation Radio, they were playing for just as much, if not more. They were closer to the playoffs. They were ready to play. They finished the game off. Gardner Minshew closed down the Oakland Coliseum and then he closed down this season for the Raiders. And we talked about it too uh, with Eric Allen as I got on the post game and I know you were talking about it on the fifth quarter. That these inability to get third yeah. and ones, third and ones all year long, which we're going to get to coming up, really was the Achilles heel of this team. Not getting the easy, easy, comfortable third downs to extend drives. Yeah, and I think that was probably the, the most frustrating thing outside of the penalties, because yeah. the penalties give Antonio Pierce and this entire staff credit. The Raiders have been one of the least penalized teams in the NFL since he took over, but the penalties come at the worst possible time, it felt like uh, this weekend. But yes, the third and short, the fourth and short, the inability to, like you said, do the easy mm. things really ended up uh, biting the silver and black in the rear end. Well, as we look back at this season, it was a very dramatic season. There was yeah. a regime change, coach, GM, offensive coordinator. Raiders stepped up to every challenge. 100%. Every challenge, they looked it in the eye. I thought they were prepared to play. I thought the energy level was tough. They they showed up. There was never a game that I looked at the Raiders and said, you know, Raiders aren't in this game. The Raiders are checked out. They would never be under Antonio Pierce. It's just disappointing. We were looking for one more week for this Denver game to have a lot of meaning. And it does have a lot of meaning in the building to the players here. But for the fans, I wanted the fans to show up on Sunday feeling that this was a make-or-break game to get to the playoffs. Yeah, and I think, you know, I were talking about it, not the ending that we wanted, but it kind of feels like the ending we deserved yeah. in some ways, right? The, the Raiders' offense just wasn't able to find any type of rhythm all season. And give credit to Patrick yep. Graham and this defense. This, this defense has been the catalyst, the heartbeat of everything the Raiders want to do in 2023, but just a not enough consistency yeah. on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, just uh, not the effort. It was just coming up short yeah. with some execution here. Coming up next, Lincoln Kennedy will join us. His bird's eye view of the game and the preview of a team that Lincoln has got a lot of history against, the Denver Broncos, as we continue on Raiders Roundtable. We've seen 21 in the empty give up a touchdown, yeah. right? One of the 21s I know, he wouldn't do that. He would have went and got the ball. I don't know his name. They call him EA, but I got some plays. I know it's in black and white. I know it's in black and white. But my dog is a Hall of Fame finalist right now. He better get in, too. But this is the young EA. Give me that. Watch out now. Let me turn it to a receiver. Not the spin right here. 
Oh, oh. He ain't hit the hole. Let me sidestep right there. Pick him up. Look at his knees. Look at his knees. Hey. Young E ain't running. Hey, early on, Ben Smith was like, give me the ball. Yeah, no. I was like, no. And before the game, yeah. Randall got hurt in this game, uh -huh. our quarterback, the ultimate weapon, yeah. right? Got his knee blown out. Mm -hmm. So after all this, I'm thinking now, at this point right now, I'm thinking I'm back at home in San Diego playing some Valencia Park Pop Warner, you know, getting through the hole. No doubt. But when I got in the end zone, I saw yeah. Randall yeah. in the in the uh, in the tunnel yeah. and handed him the ball. There you so, go. There yeah, you go. Man. So you knew he was out, so you knew I gotta go score. Oh, I gotta do I'm something. a receiver slash running back. I gotta help Randall out. I got my hands on the football. Yeah. But that's EA. Congratulations, my brother, Hall of Fame finalist. We pray you getting in, brother. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate you, my Amber, man. Amber, back to you. You see young EA running. <laughs> yeah, you know, nobody is rooting for you more than your Raiders family here. That one touchdown was one of eight defensive touchdowns in your career. 54 career interceptions, 787 combined tackles, six-time Pro Bowl uh -oh. selection, three-time All-Pro selection. That means you're the best at your position mm -hmm. in case people didn't know what All-Pro means. And the only NFL player to have three or more interceptions for a touchdown in two separate seasons. Uh -oh. Put the man in the Hall of Fame! Oh, man, stop playing. Where do we put our vote? You Where's my vote saying. go? Who do I need to call? You know. We're gonna get yeah. we're gonna get some Raiders thugs out yeah, here. I, yeah, I, know, I know if you don't get in, it's gonna be a problem. Uh, you know, we're excited for you and congratulations. I know it's an exciting time. And uh, take a look at some of these highlights. I, I'm not. I could sit and watch these all day. I tell you what, some of some of this. Some of this get stuff, down. Yeah, just gotta let them know. You know? That's it. That's this is it. Jake the Snake Plumber. Uh, give me right? that, Jake the Snake. <laughs> yeah. Tell him quit trying. You EA. He's a mushroom farmer now. Bet you didn't know that. Yeah. Little bat down. Uh-huh. This, okay. oh, this is the olden days. Yeah, you know? this is the young days. I was crafty at this point. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Had a young, uh -oh. Oh, there you go. And some hands. Oh, I got that, I got that JJ. Yeah. <laughs> you know how to track the ball. You got the ball skills. Huh. Huh. Get oh, over the shoulder. Too. Yeah. Over the shoulder. That's Joey Galloway, 4240. Yeah, Joey Galloway, so at the end of this right play, now. At the end of this play, I tore my ACL. That was my first year in Oakland. So I tore my ACL. Yeah. But came back and had six more picks. There you go. You know what I'm saying? Only, only six? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it was that. Yeah, man, so. Nightmare for quarterbacks. Yeah, they yeah. did not want to face you. They kept this is good you, stuff, yeah, man. They kept trying. Because Charles Wood was on the other side. Yeah. So, you know. Oh, is that yeah. Testa Verde that you picked off? I'm trying to look yeah. at these old quarterbacks you're picking yeah, off. Yeah, Testa Verde. Yeah. Uh, there you yeah, go, there's Testaverde right again. Testaverde. Yeah, yeah, I think. Shouldn't have tested you. Tips and overthrows. Yeah, tips and overthrows. Made a career. <laughs> tips and overthrows. And then get to the house. Yeah, you had some the speed. You, you had know? that speed to high stepping. Yeah, okay. That's probably year 13 yeah, right there, yeah, JJ. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm trying to do my thing. It looked like year two. It looked like year two. I'm just trying to do my thing. That's our crew from Raiders game day. Wow. Just to look at yeah. all of those highlights of Eric Allen, again, a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, as we bring in the great Lincoln Kennedy. And Lincoln, you know EA as good as anybody. The San Diego Connection, former teammate. Happy New Year still for you in Pasadena. Let's begin and start off with your friendship and the player, Eric Allen. You know what? I just love EA. We go way back. And I remember hosting EA when he came to the facility as a free agent. We were in Alameda, and I was telling him about the move back to Oakland because that was shortly after we moved back to Oakland from Los Angeles. And EA was just excited to be a Raider. You know, he was asking me the potential, talking about the potential of the team. And I said, look, I think we're just a few pieces away from making a run. And EA was part of that run. So, you know what? I'm tipping my hat to him. I hope that he gets in. 
well-deserved. And, and not only because he's a good friend of mine and he's a Raider, but well-earned honors. He played, had a hell of a career. Oh, 100%, Lincoln. I think, and I was talking to EA the other day, and, and I was telling him, I was like, you know what's great about kind of this moment that we're living in is it feels like EA is getting his flowers in a very organic way right now. It doesn't feel forced. Uh, you know, you look at everything that Deron Bland has done this year for the Cowboys and all the records, and it feels like EA is kind of in the conversation uh, of just his greatness, and we have a chance to look at the numbers. And, and you and I have talked about this a bunch, JT. One of the things that I think this organization does the best out of anyone is educating its employees and its fans sure. about why the people that came before us matter why the skills that they brought to the gridiron matter in 2023 so when you look at at ea the football player uh lincoln and everything that he did back in the silver and black what do you think is the one kind of attribute that stands out about what he brought as a db he had one of the he's not the biggest guy in the world right so he had one of those attitudes that it didn't matter what receiver is playing on didn't matter the size difference or some of the intangible differences that but ea was going to be there step for step and he was always in the right position you know i've had the fortune of playing with such guys you know, like Rod Woodson, Charles Woodson, obviously, mm-hmm. guys that were in the right position to make those key picks come through. EA was just a part of that as well. I'll tell you this. The Hall of Fame, I've always said it in every sport, it's more of a stat. Mm-hmm. Okay, You don't have to have – you Sorry. might not have great ownership. You might not have great teammates or a GM that can put you in a position. It's stats. His stats are so overwhelming. Overwhelming as a cornerback. And he, he's very humble about it. So you don't get a lot out of him on yeah. this. But he never made the natural move as an aging corner over to safety, which he could have easily did because he's a ball hawk. And when you look at what he was able to do, he was a pure ball hawk who found the ball and took it back the other way. And it's being big for me because I've always said, I always introduced him as 54 interceptions. Yeah. Look at Dion. Look at all the ones that he surpassed in that number. And here's what's good, Lincoln. There aren't a lot of corners. It says Rodney Harrison, DB. No, he was more of a safety here. Darren Woodson, who's been well overdue for the Cowboys, they're making a big push. He's a safety. There's a cornerback on this list. they got to let one cornerback in this class. Lincoln, he's the guy. This class is setting up nice. They're going to get in a couple of receivers, maybe two, but then they're going to have to focus and say, we don't have a corner in this class. Why are we making Eric Allen Wade? Well, I tell you what, you know, the thing is, I've always felt the Hall of Fame is so backlogged. Mm-hmm. There's so many deserving players that haven't been recognized, that haven't been put in, that it's, it, you know, you have to play catch up sooner or later. I was of the plan, I was of the mindset that the Hall of Fame should allow more people to go in to try to catch up some of that slack, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. To your point, JT, I agree with you. You know, you talk about defensive backs. There's only one defensive back on that list, a true defensive back, other than safety. And it's long overdue. So I'm hoping that EA is able to get in. You know, you bring up a great point, JT, about just the pure uh, big play numbers that EA has on his resume, right? And that's when we think, when we look at all these highlights, we're looking at the big plays. That is what resonates with fans, right? When you're on YouTube, when you're on NFL.com, wherever you are, you're looking at the highlights and you're looking, you're not looking at, oh, someone getting locked up on third and seven, right? So, Link, when you think, kind of look at the explosive nature that EA played with, right? Some of this big playability. That has to matter, right, when we have this conversation about him ultimately getting into the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, you know, I think of, when you think about some of the defensive backs that are already in the Hall of Fame and you think about guys like Dion and so forth, those are guys who are a lot more flashy than EA. Mm-hmm. EA is very humble, very laid back. Yeah. He's just yeah. one of those guys, no nonsense, carry my lunch pail to work. That's what I appreciate and respect most because that's the type of player I try to pattern myself to be. One of those just go-to guys. You don't need to have a lot of, you know, uh, fodder. You don't need to have a lot of uh, you know, fanfare or anything like that. Just go out and do your job. That's what EA brought to the table. And that's one of the things, Eddie, that I think would really resonate well in the Hall of Fame if he gets in 
is the fact that he was one of those hard workers. Show the proof. You don't have to be a flashy. You don't have to be a showboat. Just go out there and do your job and get it done and be consistent with it, and you'll be recognized well for it. Before we get to the Colts, one more thing. Recently around this building, they've waited too long for Raiders to get in. Ken Stabler was passed away. Cliff Branch passed away. Tom Flores they made until he was 80, in his 80s in a wheelchair. People in that room better understand. EA is known for being an Eagle. His greatest years were with the Eagles. He had brilliant years in Oakland. So he, he's a guy that is an Oakland Raider, and that room knows the history of the Oakland Raiders, and I hope they take that into account. Lincoln, as we go to the Colts here, let's jump in. And, God, they were chasing the entire game. It just felt like they were behind and chasing and chasing. Let's start off big picture with you on what you thought the game was and how the Raiders came up just three points short. Well, you know, I hate to be in a position where you have to win out in order to think about the postseason mm-hmm. play. But the Raiders put themselves in this position, having to win the final three games, come up short against the Colts. And like much like you said, JT, they were chasing from the beginning. Look, Gardner Minshew didn't have a crazy day, but he had two big plays mm-hmm. that were the difference in the game. And the Raiders just could not make up for it. Uh, we, we, we've talked about, and I heard you guys before I came on, talking about how defense has played. Look, I think the defense has done well enough in order for the Raiders to win. The offense has got to catch up and do its part. And it's a work in progress. You know, Jason was asking me during the, during the broadcast, how come we don't see them further along than they, they are? I'm thinking, look, when you have a new offensive coordinator, you have other intangibles that are applying and a young quarterback, what you're trying to do is you're trying to go out there and make these guys, at Aiden O'Connell especially, as comfortable as possible. Because offense is all about chemistry. Offense is all about rhythm. You have to open up that rhythm and get that rhythm going. And I don't think they're there yet. I think they're still exploring ways to get Devontae Adams the football. I think they're still exploring ways to what they can do run-wise with all the offensive line change-ups and everything that you had to do. That's a work in progress. And more importantly, timing and play calling. You know, I, I don't know, you know Bo Hardigree's history, but I do know this. When you're calling plays as an offensive coordinator, you have to create a rhythm with your quarterback to where he understands where you're going. And more importantly, you have to get in a rhythm, play calling, make the players feel comfortable. I came from the most successful teams I played on didn't run a whole lot of plays, guys. We ran a handful of plays, but we did them well. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Raiders need to work on. I think they can get there once all this dust settles settles from the coaching changes or what might have you for the future. And once the Raiders decide what they're going to do as far as quarterback and the future of key players on that offense. Well, Link, here we go again. The struggles on third down for the Raiders offense. We've talked about it a lot this year. But really, you know, you go back to this weekend and it felt like the struggles on third and fourth and short were a, a surprise, I think, to a lot of folks here. When you saw the, the Raider play calling, when you saw the execution on some of those short yardage, uh, you know, got to have a moments and the Raiders, unfortunately, couldn't get them. What kind of stuck out from you from those moments in particular? Well, you talk about the quarterback sneak that, that failed. You talk about, you know, the inside runs that failed. It Look, it's it's one of those things, guys, where, all, first of all, your offensive line has to have confidence. And, and I speak from the historical standpoint. When, when I was there, I used to look at Gruden and Callahan and said, if you're not calling 14 blasts on short yardage, I'm going to have a problem with it. I don't think the Raiders are there yet, run-wise. I don't think they have that established run. I think they're still working on it. But it, it really limits you as to what you can do when, like I said, you don't have a notable tight end in there. Or you're trying to force the ball to Devontae Adams. I mean, the fact is they're sitting on those routes, a lot of those routes. So, you know, when you talk about some of the plays that we saw against the Colts, I didn't mind them. But you leave yourself limited when you have those trick plays if they don't work where you're at. 
Now I've said the Raiders have to stay ahead of the chains. They have to stay ahead of a schedule on first and second down, getting yards to set themselves up with that manageable situation, third and fourth and one. But you have to understand, you have to find other ways or other options that you can go to just to change up what you have, give defenses a different look, but you can still execute well. Yeah, I'm looking at some of these highlights here, and it's it's the rhythm, as Lincoln yeah. said perfectly. It's the rhythm. Mm-hmm. And also, with a quarterback who isn't mobile outside the pocket, you don't have a bootleg play. You don't have the ability to roll right, roll left, dive for the first down. I mean, how many times? Mahomes is not the perfect example because he's elite. How many times have we seen Mahomes on third and four or five just pick up seven yards and run out of bounds to keep a drive going here? So the lack of mobility. Hey, JT, yep. JT, Eddie, hey, I just want to say something. You know what? Here's the thing. If you have a third or fourth and one, I wouldn't be opposed to having a naked bootleg with Aiden mm, O'Connell. Okay. I, I know he's not the most fleet-footed, but here's, he's not the slowest of the quarterbacks out there. And, and more importantly, I doubt that things like – these are creative things that I think defenses won't expect. They won't expect Aiden O'Connell to be a keeper around the mm. corner on a fake toss play or something like that. So, I mean, I'm not opposed to things like that opening up. You never know what you can do until you try. But I remember, you know, playing with Rich Gannon. There were times where, where John mm. said he didn't want to get him hit, didn't want to get him hurt. Rich is like, look, I'm going to take this upon my, uh, my own, and I'm going to get this first down, or I'm going to get this touchdown, I'm going to get this drive together. And that's what you expect out of your quarterback. That's what you want out of your quarterback. That yeah. shows true leadership. Yeah, I don't know how many balls we could find out that where they were third and short and stopped behind the line of yeah. scrimmage where it just blew up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I can't yeah. even keep track of how many there were this year, and that's the key. I think that the Raiders, the offensive line, often you'll just bring up Lincoln, the interior of the offensive line. Yeah. Well, that's where a lot of those plays got blown up. They didn't get blown up around the edge where they came up short. Josh and Zamir going around the edge. It was just a third and one handoff up the middle. I call it into the pile, and the only way you're going to get a first down there is if you get a push. And you're, you're strong on the snap count, and you push the guy forward, and you have a little bit of room for your running back to get open. There are a lot of times this year that they were drive killers. I don't mind them taking a shot in third and one and throwing it 30 yards. You, you do that every once in a while. Keep them honest there. But, Link, the interior of the offensive line, and just to get that half yard, that one-yard push so the running back could just run forward, that was, that was problematic this year. That really bothered me throughout the year because it would have kept the offense and Devontae on the field for another drive or two. This is one reason why you try to keep your offensive line together, the mm-hmm. same group, as consistent as possible. Because I will say this, Dylan Parham and Andre James run double teams at the point different than one another. And what, what that means, what that tells me to my guards, or who might never be in there, is that there's a different person that you might be pushing on the double team. Or there's a different person that you're going to have to work with. And sometimes that takes a while to get used to it. Look, I know we're approaching the final game of the regular season. So I know a lot of people in Raider Nation are impatient. Like, why hasn't this been taken care of? It's not that simple. You talk about not having a, a, a true blocking tight end. You talk about having the inconsistencies the inconsistencies with Jakob Johnson in there as a fullback. If you're going to try to run those type of set plays, you need to bring your receiver in to dig out a safety. That hasn't always happened. So we've seen sort of a roller coaster ride throughout this season with the short running game. And you will continue until you find finalize those plays that you can settle on that you know, no matter what, if I run this, you're not going to stop it. Much like Philadelphia has with their tush push. 
You know, like there were a lot of, I, I think it's fair to say, pleasant surprises about the 2023 Raiders. We talk about that defense over and over again, but an unpleasant surprise that kind of reared its head this weekend in Indy were the penalties. You know, by and large, the Raiders have done a really nice job of playing clean football. Unfortunately, not the case against the Colts. And Link, to me, look, the penalty number is high. You don't want to see the number that high, but it was the moments. It was the big moments. It was the momentum-changing plays in that game that we just see that yellow flag comes out. Uh, and, and when you kind of look at the way the Raiders are built, it felt like on offense, Lincoln, they just weren't at a place where they could over, oh, excuse me, overcome some of those big penalties. On offense, Eddie, penalties are killers. Penalties kill momentum. They kill drives in the sense where they set you back. It affects the play caller's play call, and it affects the execution. And there are times, unless you have a truly veteran quarterback, who will say, you know what, it's second down and 25. I'm not going to get all 25 yards with this play. Let me see if I can get half of it back to make it even a little bit more manageable situation in the third down. You don't always see that. But the penalties in this game were absolutely momentum killers. Mm-hmm. The two on the Luminor, the false starts, killed the momentum of the offense. It really set them back, made it hard to overcome. Obviously, you talk about Jack Jones as the penalty, the offsides penalty. No, I agree with you, JT. From the, from, the, from the angle that I had up in the booth, I thought he was a little bit offsides. But you also see that this year, JT, the reps have been calling those types of plays mm-hmm. a lot closer for everybody. So it wasn't just Jack Jones not being outside. And more importantly, the head coach for the Colts actually lobbied for that penalty. He went up to the ref and he was pointing at Jack Jones when he was lined up. So, you know, those types of things happen. But penalties are killers and penalties are avoidable. There's no reason for you to jump off sides when you don't have to jump off sides. And you're a receiver. You're watching the football. There's, there should be no reason why you should um, have momentum. And if you're an offensive line, you know that you have to focus on the snap count or waiting for the count to not kill your team. So, yeah, you're right, Eddie. Penalties always kill you, and they always kill the momentum. Yeah, taking a look at the All-22 film and the side view that was also available. I don't think Jack Jones was offside. I thought he nailed. I thought he nailed the snap count perfectly. As the ball came out, he almost got a piece of it. Lincoln, but that was a deal breaker because he misses the field goal. Yeah. Raiders have an opportunity to win the game, win the game, let alone tie the game. And I thought that was that one play that went against him. And Lincoln, it's kind of unfortunate for Jack Jones on the pass interference on a ball out of bounds in that one because he's been the story here the last couple of weeks. He has been the story for us on this podcast, yeah. Raiders Roundtable, on giving him all the credit in the world. You just hate to see it happen that way. It looked like he took it personally. You know, he's going to be on this team. He looks like yeah. a good piece going forward there. That that hurts. I could tell. You could see in his body language it hurt that he put his team in that situation. And I, I wouldn't have thrown either flag. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, is that it, it, I agree it's a little mm-hmm. tedious and over top to throw yeah. a flag on him, especially with an uncatchable ball. But he did make contact with the receiver with the balls in the air. So by the rule of the, the, the by the rule letter of the rule, that, that's a best pass interference. And it's it, it's unavoid, unavoidable. I mean, it's avoidable when you think about it. You, if you're Jack Jones and you see the where the ball's coming, you don't need to touch the receiver. But more importantly, don't give them the the ammunition to call that penalty. And that's 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 the big thing. When you have things that are that are on on, on the borderline of something, just you know better. You know the mm-hmm. rules. Play within the rules. Don't escape them and think that you're going to slide by because something like that gets called, obviously, to hurt your team. Yeah, I think when we zoom out of 2023 and we look at Jack Jones' uh, tenure in silver and black, I think we're going to look at it positively. Yeah. The guy has brought so much electricity to that back end of that Raiders defense, so much juice to that DB room. But uh, another young guy, Link, who I think we're going to look at very fondly in 2023 is Zamir White, uh, taking uh, you know full advantage of his opportunity with Josh Jacobs sitting there on the bench, not able to go. He finishes his day 20, uh, 20 carries for 71 yards, almost four yards a pop there. But he's been a really – you look at a kind of a positives from a game where the offense had a hard time getting rolling. I mean, Zamir, by and large, did a, did a really nice job out there against the Colts, Lincoln. 
I agree. And I think he's come a long way. And I look, I'm certainly proud of the young man of making the best of his opportunity. Josh Jacobs is a beast. And to try to, you know, dethrone him or the why he's aside, try to make a try to make up for him is is different. And, and more importantly, he's one of those guys, Zamir White is one of those guys that just runs differently. I was trying to explain this to Jason over the broadcast. He runs differently than Jacobs. And it's it's refreshing to see because it's a nice little changeup. So with that being said, this is all working back to the chemistry and the rhythm that Bo Hardegree has to get as offensive play calling. And more importantly, this offense has to be in. Right now, there are a lot of teams that when they see number eight in the backfield, they'll bring a safety down. You make an eight-man box. You have to bring a receiver in to try to dig it, dig him out. Makes running the football between the tackles that much that more difficult. But with Zamir White and his different running style, if you have more man block and you have just a little bit of a sliver, he's going to hit that hole and get that get downhill right now. As we look at Zamir White and what he's been able to do here the last three weeks, he'd been very productive at times. You know, six point six a carry the game before. This was down a little bit more, but look, 35 receiving yards. Here's the good problem for the Raiders. I'd like to see Josh Jacobs end his career as a Raider. You want Josh to have the best. He's been a great Raider. Zamir White's a featured first running back in this league. Okay, There's 32 teams. The Raiders have Zamir White. He could start on the majority of teams in this league. No doubt about it. So that's a good issue for the Raiders to have. If they make a financial decision, if they want the younger back, if Josh and the team comes to term on a deal, fantastic. The Raiders' running game, I think, is in good hands with the backs. The question is linking the offensive line, which is your expertise and the ability to maybe upgrade the offensive line, bring in a new tackle, or bring in a younger player who's more of a beast here. That's going to be important here because they want to run the ball. And this interim head coach has made it clear. And if he's here, and I hope he is, he wants to run the football, Lincoln, and that will work off play action, whoever the quarterback's going to be said it all along i don't think coming in next year's draft that you have to approach it to where we have to get a quarterback we have to get our mm-hmm. franchise quarterback i think there are plenty of other areas that this team needs to draft and need to be concerned with first of them is the offensive line and here's the thing i'm not saying that you need to draft a guard or a tackle specific but you need to find a way to solidify your offensive line if Bayer munford is going to be your tackle going forward opposite of colton miller mm-hmm. so be it but finalize your offensive line and you draft around that offensive line that you finalize, and you say, you know what, this is what we need to make this running game go. Because you know that running is an emphasis. You might need to get a tight end that's better at run blocking than pass catch. You might just need to get him. Just throwing out ideas. Mm-hmm. But you've got to have op- other, offer other opportunities when people load the box up like people are doing against the Raiders to be able to take that extra man out of the box or at least make them pay for putting that extra man in the box. You know, JT brought up a good point about you look at going into 20, mm-hmm. excuse me, 2024 now. You got Josh. You got Samir. Uh, certainly not uh, the cupboard is not bare by any stretch of the imagination. It feels like this is the most complete roster we've had in a while. Now, certainly it is not fully complete, Lincoln, but it feels like whoever, you know, whether it's Champ Kelly, someone else, Antonio Pierce, someone else, it feels like this regime, whoever it may be, is going to come in here with a lot of really quality pieces looking into 2024 now. Well, that's exactly right. You've been building up to this point. The previous coaches that were before Antonio Pierce came in and tried to build this team, what, to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs, okay? We might be there. It's only one Mm -hmm. game or two. You know, you talk about splitting season. We might be there to compete with Kansas City. You have enough notable playmakers on offense where you do have, you can have the the, the ability to keep up with Kansas City. You can sit there and say what you want about Aiden O'Connell, be your quarterback or not. That's another conversation for another day. But all the pieces in place have been put over years. Patrick Patrick Graham's defense to me is that much closer to getting all the players that he needs in order to make it formal. And we've seen how this defense has been able to produce with the players they had. So I think that's close. 
special teams is already solid. Yes, I think we're close, but we're not talking about close. Close only comes through in horseshoes and marbles, right? So the word we're talking about putting yourself over the top. The Kansas City Chiefs have just won their eighth consecutive division title. All right. We want to be there. We want to be in that position. When we take care of business next week against Denver, we'll have a chance to, to be in that position to evaluate the season to say what we're close. We're almost there. You have to draft draft and address the free agency period accordingly because they are very close. Let's get to Russell Wilson, and we're very similar here in Las Vegas of what happened to Derek Carr uh, sitting out the final two games. And the way they did it in Denver, thought it was really dicey. You know, Russell Wilson's a Walter Payton man of the yeah, year. Yeah, felt kind of dirty. Yeah, he was having a good year. Not a great year. wasn't his best year by any means, but he was kind of coming into his own. I think he was seventh in quarterback rating at one point. He was playing okay. Uh, now, I know why he's gone. The personality clashed between Sean Payton and him with just too much. Payton didn't want to be around him. They didn't get along. Not that, not that they were arguing. It just wasn't his guy. And I'm okay with that. When you're an owner, when you're a GM and you're a head coach, if you want to make a personnel move, if you have power in that position, which Sean Payton Link has a lot of power, that's why he took that job with that newer ownership and their money, he made that decision. And now we get to see Jared Stidham but Russell Wilson handled it like a pro. What do you think, Lincoln Kennedy, when you see these quarterbacks get benched at the end of the year? We've seen it back-to-back years because teams honestly don't want to be on the hook for them if they get an injury and they just kind of want to fray out of the financial commitment that they have to those type of players. So often we as fans get in and announcers, broadcasters, or whatever you want to call us, get so caught up in the emotional side of it. you got to remember, this is a business, and this is a business move for the Broncos. They want to protect their interests because if there's any trade value or any other value to get rid of Russell Wilson, they want to be able to see, mm-hmm. to recognize it and see it. And more importantly, they want to keep Russell Wilson around because they don't want to be on the hook for another, what, $35 million, whatever it is. The business decision, that's what it comes down to for me. And I understand that Russell Wilson has to decide because he's done so much self-preservating uh, throughout his years, especially in Seattle and, and now in Denver, where he's thinking about not only thinking about his future, but he's already done everything he has the celebrity wife he has the money he has the super bowl victory he has his place in line the possibility of making a run for the hall of fame but russell wilson needed to decide if he wants to play anymore because if he goes to another team he's going to take on the same challenges that he did in denver all over again there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to win so it doesn't matter where he goes if he does if he decides that he doesn't want to play or he's not going to play like he did in seattle he needs to hang up his cleats and move on yeah, an intriguing uh, storyline to follow this offseason, no doubt about that. Obviously, Russ, one of the more unique personalities in the NFL, and seeing what he does and how that kind of impacts uh, the quarterback roundtable will be very, very interesting uh, come the offseason. But, Lincoln, you know, looking ahead now to Sunday at Allegiant, Allegiant Stadium as we wrap this thing up, neither of these teams have playoff uh, aspirations anymore, but a lot to play for, right? The Denver Broncos want to have a winning season, and I think what's interesting, if the Raiders are able to handle business, then Antonio Pierce and his staff can look around and they can say, we beat every team in the division mm-hmm. over the past, uh, whatever it was, six seven weeks so a lot to play for link what is this game going to come down to for you after execution and who wants it didn't want to finish off the season there's so many guys that are already in that locker room thinking about their winter plans where they're going to go on vacation you know you just need to finish out one more game it's still business as usual and i'm hoping that antonio pierce can bring the best out of this team because the broncos are beatable but the broncos are also playing better than we did last time we saw them. So that's something to take in consideration. And they're not going to come over and just roll over and lay down. you got to go out there and take it. And I'm hoping to see the right right attitude out of this young Raider team that they'll go out there and do that. I've never been around this organization in 25 years when we went into some games that 
you know, four and 12 years or other years where it was eight and eight, where people looked at the schedule and said, look, it's about a draft pick. It's about this. If we don't win, never honestly once have I ever talked to anyone in this building or in Alameda who thought about it going into the last game. It's the will to win. It's just win, baby. It's a rivalry game. It's at home. Yep. Allegiant Stadium, as Lincoln pointed out, is a business. A lot of people are paying to fly to come here and paying a lot of money for a ticket and an airline ticket in a hotel room. At all costs, the Raiders have to win this game. They have to win this game to sweep the Broncos. One of the big things I do on the radio is remind everybody every year when someone on national radio and TV picks the Broncos to go to the AFC Championship, I'm going, what are you talking about? What have you watched the last few years? They're not even a playoff team. They can't beat the Raiders. They have been swept. Raider Nation wants this game badly. And I think they have to win this game. Antonio Pierce, no matter where you're at with him, he's a winner. He's a Super Bowl champ, and he's got to win this game. I think the Raiders are going to come out flying. And, Link, you know this. You've played in those games. You know, when you got trips set up to Cabo or Cancun, you're waiting to see the family. You know there's a trip before the Super Bowl, maybe. Hey, maybe you let up. Instead of being the third guy to the tackle, the second guy gets there, and you hold up. I don't know. I don't expect that from this team. I think they're going to fly around and be led by Max Crosby coming out of that tunnel to put on a show. That would be the ultimate top off to the season. It's mm-hmm. been a rocky season. There's been a lot of change and a lot of turmoil in many people's minds. But the one thing that I've taken pride in, obviously beating the Chiefs and Arrowhead on Christmas yes. Day was sweet. But more importantly, seeing the attitude that this team has possessed in the second half of the season is is sweet because the future looks bright to me, guys. Yeah, you know, Link, it's so interesting, too, where, you know, we were going to welcome in our old friend Jared Stidham this weekend, and now the man under center for the uh, for the Denver Broncos. But what kind of wrinkle does Stidham throw at this Raiders defense, right? We know the effort's going to be there on both sides of the football. We know that Max and Antonio are going to have these guys ready to rock. But, Link, Stidham, you know, a guy who doesn't have a ton of NFL experience, a guy who got his first NFL win uh, this past weekend, what is kind of his, you know, lack of tape or however you want to call it, kind of going to impact this game plan for Antonio Pierce and Patrick Graham? Well, it's anyone's guess, but I mean, you can't really take that in consideration, Eddie, the, the lack of experience. Look, Nick Bowen, Nick Mullins, yeah. I don't think we've beat him since he's been on another team, right? So, I mean, you, you talk about lack of experience, whether he was with San Francisco or Minnesota, we haven't beaten him, Nick Mullins. And and, and, and it, it kills me because he's not that good of a quarterback, but yet he's still able to make plays. But that's another conversation for another day. As far as Stidham is concerned, you know, here's a guy who who might take it. Uh, a little bit on on his on the side, the fact that the Raiders didn't keep him, that he had to go to another team. Maybe he wanted to be a Raider. Maybe he wants to play like that. But he's only one guy. Yeah. So one guy to me doesn't necessarily make or break the day. It's got to be the other guys. The other Raiders have got to get involved to make sure that he doesn't have an impactful day. Lincoln, last one. We know you got a role. How'd they honor you at the Rose Bowl as a Hall of Famer? Now, what was that like? And the follow-up will be your dogs playing for the national championship. So I know why you got that smile and that Happy New Year and the shades on. You've had a pretty good couple. Of days, it has been a good couple of good days. You know the the Rose Bowl. I was honored last night between the third and fourth quarter, um, and um, I actually I get a, a, a new trophy, a new statue. It's nice. it's, um, it's very humbling, but I'm but I'm I'm very extremely proud of the dogs, and I think it's going to be a great game. Sorry, Eddie. I know Oregon couldn't be here. I know, you know we'll, we'll just have to make up and, and have the the the, the other Pac-12 school in, in, in there, and then Washington will hopefully to take care of business. So I'm going to Houston after the Denver game. And uh, and then see the dogs on Monday. Safe travels, Lincoln. Congratulations. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's a big honor. That is a massive honor to be in the Rose Bowl 
Hall of Fame. You look at Jim Plunkett, all the other legends who have been in that game, Woodson, and for Lincoln to do that. And then he's got the game Sunday, and he's got to fly to the national championship game where he's a god for that team yeah. and one of their greatest players. You ever been to the Rose Bowl, by the way, JT? I have been a few times. Awesome. Something. Awesome. Fantastic. I tell everyone out there, I mean, in terms of a college atmosphere, 100%. I've been lucky enough to go to two of them, and every single time, regardless of the result, yeah. just a, such a fun uh, experience, very family-friendly. It's just the best. I'm just happy the best. for Lincoln Kennedy. 100%. He's now a Rose Bowl Hall of Famer. All right, so as we wrap it up and we look for Denver, we just said it there. Got to win the game. Got to play hard. Let's finish the season and start the new year off, 2024, on a high. And then there's going to be a lot of decisions being made after that. Yeah, and we talk about it. Obviously, this team wants to win, wrap up the season on a positive note, take down a division rival. But I think there really is, if you're Antonio Pierce and his staff, I think that there is kind of a moment here for when those conversations happen at the end of the year. Say, look, this staff beat every single team in the division. When is the last time we were able to say that? Every single team yeah, in the division. Important. So I think that's important. I think it matters. And I guarantee you that the guys in that locker room are going to be ready to rock Sunday at Allegiant for Antonio Pierce. For Eddie Pascal and Lincoln Kennedy, I'm JT. We wish you a great New Year. Hope you had a great celebration. Happy 2024 Sunday. Allegiant Stadium as the Raiders host the Broncos. Thanks for watching and listening to Raiders Roundtable. Raiders Roundtable.